Hello and welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 145. I am Eric Berger, joined as always by Ryan, my co-host, and Janice here as well. Hello. Hello there. Hi, guys. Um, and to answer your question, the total viewers actually only shows up on my oh. master screen down here, but there are two. So, okay. there you go. Hi, everyone. <laughs> All two. We, we just started <laughs> On Twitch, so. yeah. Now, we, we do live stream every episode at twitch.tv forward slash u forward slash e-m-t-t-e-c-h. At some point, maybe I'll get off my ass and make a second one. But you can always watch us there. Um, catch us on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud, as far as the podcast is concerned, in audio form. We also have video versions uploaded to our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Carbitrage. Anyway, um, let's start with beer. What? Uh, oh, you're drinking coffee. I'm still drinking my coffee. What sort of coffee are you drinking? I'm drinking a really gross, what's supposed to be a... Special K bar mocha. It's just oh, do you guys have the same drink? Yeah. yeah. And yours is also poorly made. It's very poorly. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. So it's my favorite coffee drink from Caribou called the Cabin Bar Mocha, and I had it like at a night class last spring semester, and I literally went like once a week to get this drink. I totally and understand. Got this drink and oatmeal. And <laughs> the guy, the barista that was always working, like saw me walk in and started making my order, even if there was customers <laughs> in front of me, because he, he just knew. You're and, what you call a super heavy user. Yeah, exactly. And so I know this drink really well. And so sure. when it disappeared, I was sad. Oh, it's not over square. It's under and, square. Uh, Duh. I got a notification because I've got the app on my phone that it's it was back and on the way I was like oh my god I can I can get this drink and I got it and it is too butterscotchy too butterscotchy so I assume yeah. that's like a syrup edition and they just put way too much of it in or exactly what? that's okay. it. everything else seems familiar well, still just it, like it, it only needs... takes one wonky it's like yeah. stoichiometry for coffee yeah like yeah. it doesn't take much to completely ruin it yeah it needed more chocolate and less butterscotch because i feel like a lot of syrupy flavors have like an alcohol taste of theirs i would play I, taps right now if i could but i, I, I feel i think the barista is probably a smoker <laughs> yeah like, just has no idea cocktail like they just don't understand how things like yeah. taste they they don't have like taste and like they're <laughs> like, yeah, so I will definitely order another one somewhere else. <laughs> At a different caribou. At a different caribou, <laughs> because I, the, the hope is still out there. I just came back from Florida, and I just as I got through security in Naples, mm -hmm. or actually it was Fort Myers, I guess, they had a, a Starbucks in the terminal. I'm yep. like, it was, I needed coffee. So I, I went into the line there or whatever, and I, I saw their, they currently have like an eggnog seasonal yeah. drink, which is disgusting. It's not good. Um but I'm like, okay, that, pr that probably means they have nitro, yeah. which is great. So I get up to the counter and I order a, a nitro cold brew uh, white peppermint mocha. She's yeah. like, we're out of nitro until tomorrow. I'm like, okay, a regular peppermint mocha. I'm like, we're actually out of some ingredient to make that too. I'm like, I would like a medium black coffee, please. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's That's super just, disappointing when they're out of the ingredients. Like, I have to drink non-dairy a lot. Oh, and sure. I can't have soy, so it it's less of a struggle now, but I, my preference is oat milk. Sure. And just now, like, the bigger places are getting oat milk, but not every location has them. Yeah, especially if you're dealing with something like an airport, I'm sure yeah. they, yeah. Anyway, um, for beverage, I am drinking a Polliner Hefeweizen, which I bought for the land party, and I still have a few left. It is lovely. I'm going to drink that, because <clears throat> I'm done with this, because <laughs> it just, it tastes like... But 
May I have a following? Sure. Thank you. Um, Patreon plug. If you head on over to patreon.com forward slash carbitrage, you know how to spell it because it's right in front of you, you can explore our two whole open-ended options for direct contribution and support from content consumers like you to content producers like us. If you want to, please. If not, we understand, and we will keep making the podcast. Thanks very much, guys. Yes. Moving on to topics. 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 Woo. <laughs> Woo. That's like a wild and wacky inflatable flailing arm tube, man. The first one we're covering. Reynolds. <laughs> it's kind of a generic one. I think it's actually from the um, the list of older Patreon patron topics we have, but it is one cc per RPM engines. Yes. So any engine that has a displacement of say four thousand cubic centimeters or thereabouts and has a maximum, we'll just call it a red line speed or govern speed of four thousand RPM. That's kind of what we're after. So. This I added to the notes I think two weeks ago, and it seemed like a really easy topic to cover. No. But then I I started doing mine, and then when you got I here found, today, I you I started. I found the engine. I okay. finally found. It. I just found it. <laughs> I don't know if it is if it pertains to this, but we have to note it. <laughs> okay, fine. Anyway, well, um, keep I, going. <laughs> I'll start off with just a couple of them. But yeah, I mean this. We're not exploring engines that have like five thousand cubic centimeters or five liters and more than five thousand RPM. We're not really interested in that because there's a ton of engines out there, especially modern, higher displacement things that have, you know, six, six and a half thousand, seven, eight thousand yeah. RPM red lines. We want to know, like, like a point in time, like, like old tech. When, when did this become a thing? Right. Like, when, at right. what point did one RPM per cc Mm-hmm. Like exist like in 2000 we got with Honda's F20C yes. we got NA 100 horse a liter like that was a monumental achievement yeah but like now this is kind of exploring like especially I think stuff you're going to cover which is a little bit older it's like when did technology get good enough and engine design improve enough where people could get you know a, a relatively high displacement engine to spin at a relatively high rate of speed because back in the 20s and 30s things were spinning at two or no, three thousand rpm uh, not at all and actually this <coughs> link i just posted that like for some reason didn't just send me the entire link which is kind of weird oh That's i don't odd. know but I'll, i'm gonna start actually actually with... that is entirely click on that cause i, I, I want to start by prefacing before we were doing stuff like this okay yeah some if yours is we... older than all of mine choices Th- it this would make one some sense. this is what we were talking about <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I see a pre-war. This is an <laughs> engine that is extremely underswear. Is there a train? What There's a the train. heck? Oh. oh, speaking of underswear, as a oh. train, it's just two engines and scooting. Full chooch. Yeah, but uh, listeners, you must understand, we love trains. Yes, so. yes trains are cool. As we're talking about other ridiculous engines. Um, anyway, I gave a so silent the, thumbs up. The, this, this vehicle, is, wow. It, yeah, it is <laughs> a... the caption. The caption is, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> So, which is not something Ryan would say. Looking at this, he he would just I, he'd be oh his wow. Pants would fall. I, I already know what's going on here. It Become makes tight. This makes sense to me. They'd so, fall off. Eric, what do you what do you think They're you see great. here? Why don't so, you describe this with your with, this, with your words? This looks like an old, a really old, we'll say nineteen teens passenger car chassis. We're talking chain drive still. Uh, yep. It has what looks to be a regular passenger car cowl. It has a very small boat tail. On that rear boat tail, you have two struts, which are holding up a very rudimentary-looking exhaust system, which is over top of the driver, which leads forward to a set of four pretty small lead pipes 
to what looks to be a single cylinder head for a single cylinder engine that is roughly four and a half feet tall. That is that is what I see. Accurate. It's 280 millimeters in uh, in height in, in stroke. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, to put that in perspective, get out your nearest ruler. You will see That's... that a 12-inch ruler is 300 millimeters. Yeah. A typical stroke is around 80 to 90 millimeters. Yeah, th- this one has a one, basically a one-foot stroke. And it is a 80-millimeter <laughs> uh, piston, which is the limit. Yikes. So Oof. Uh, there were Grand Prix races in the early teens where they were uh, trying to limit the displacement because it was... A, easy out of winning is just put an airplane engine in your car and then yeah. don't ever turn or just come to a complete halt when you're turning and then turn it like five miles an hour and then gun down the straight again. So their way of combating that, cause that, those cars were always winning. They actually wanted to get innovation going on in cars. Sure. They said, all right, well you can only have an 80 millimeter piston bore. Sure. You can do anything else. And so of course, Peugeot Leon or Leon uh, Peugeot, um, they came up with this really weird bending of the rules where, yes, it is only 80 millimeters in bore, but they never mentioned anything about stroke. Right. So this is, this is it's a 2.8 liter engine, <laughs> and it might be able to hit 2,800 RPM. So like, I've, I've got a few out. engines in here that are around that 80 millimeter bore, yeah. and each one of those cylinders is around 500 cubic centimeters. So yeah. this is what this is almost six times that. Uh, this is what uh, one point four liters per cylinder because it's a V twin piston velocity. This is two cylinders. That's a two cylinder. Okay. Yes. Wow. So um, they got it's a. It's also weirdly it's a six valve per cylinder head, per cylinder engine. Is it a push rod? It's it must be it must be the world's longest push rod. Is that why it has like four exhaust pipes coming out of the head? Yes. Interesting. So if you look, the intake is right there in the center. Oh. So you got two intakes and then you got four exhausts on on good lord. Super duper weird. Um, but yeah, that that's that that might be the weirdest engine of all time. Um, and yes, I believe that one actually is a. It that was very close to. I would say close enough that we should count this as possibly the world's first one cc per RPM engine. Okay, because it's, so it's two point eight liters and it's twenty eight hundred RPM redline. That's better than any of my choices, just because <laughs> it's the most unique. I mean, everything I've got by comparison is boring as hell. <laughs> but the, those are ones you can actually find. Uh, this car actually did have some success in racing. Uh, it wasn't <clears throat> anything to write home about, but it did win a couple of races hmm. uh, until everybody. You know, got smart and decided to do like sixteen cylinders and just use small bore pistons. So, what do you have? I'm going to start with my oldest one, which is significantly newer than this, but it's the 1985-86 Ford 5.0, which I'm saying with quotation fingers because, yeah. as we all know, it's a 4.9 liter engine. But those had a maximum engine speed of 5,000 RPM when they launched. There you go, perfect, perfect. So that and that was actually something kind of special in the it mid was. 80s with an engine that size yeah because you have to understand like the chevy 305 which is also a five liter engine that oh, yeah. um did not Just trash and we're talking that was like an emissions era three I, th- I think too. the 305s are like able to do like maybe like 45 42 to 45 is my yeah, best guess like i didn't 45 at the specifically most. research those but yeah the ford 302 was a much healthier revving it's a, engine it's a good engine um it has you know it's got its limitations they do have 
They have huge, huge block issues. Yeah, huge issues with the block cracking. Um, but if you can hold the block together, you can make power. Which you can if you're anywhere near stock power. Yeah. I mean, we're talking like 800 horsepower. Is I've heard start. 500 is kind of the, yeah, start to worry about your block. 800, you're going to have problems. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think you can get billet 302 blocks and all that. So if you really have your <clears throat> excuse me, heart set on a 302, you can make it work. <laughs> um, actually, from if I remember correctly, I think there's some actual fixes where people would actually like weld bars into the valley. Okay. Underneath oh, the intake manifold right. to hold the side the sides of the block together as additional bracing, and they would like strap the block like they do on drag cars and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. I, I'm always surprised when stuff like that external mods Racing. work, especially when you're dealing with like welding to cast iron. Yeah, it's really weird because like well, you also have to understand like people were doing that in an era where people were drilling small bore drill bit holes through Honda blocks and hammering a nail through it to try to, to get the floating yeah, yeah. nail uh, pinning the block. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I see how that works. I mean, it a little bit sense, a little yeah. bit of additional stability probably goes a long way. Yeah, it, it, well, that, that's the thing is you know it's like a little piece of you know like a little push rod yeah. in the right spot is gonna that can change the world. So I mean, I mean look underneath a bridge. Exactly. Like, yeah, like the rebar inside of a, a massive bridge is usually five eighths of an inch thick. Yeah, and that like that holds everything together. It is it's the difference just about between, how it's used. Yeah, a functional bridge and something that'll fall down. I remember the bridge building simulator in school. That was a gr- that was a great <laughs> game. I love that. Well, they actually that's available on Steam now. Oh, uh, Blake and yeah. Will play it. All I kind of want that because I I love I'll, building I'll, bridges. I'll, I'll oh, send that man. to you on Steam okay. tonight. All right. My, Another thing that we love is bridges. Yes, apparently. bridges are fun. We like, trains and bridges. Yeah, it's like we, we should just like have like subsets of infrastructure. That. <laughs> <laughs> infrastructure. You can really fun. tell what kind of people we are by listening. Very to obtuse this. and horrible. <laughs> Um, my next one is another pushrod American V8, although let's move forward about 20 years. This is the Chevrolet LS7, so this started in the C6 Z06. It is 7 liters, 427 okay. cubic inches, and it revved to 7,000 RPM. That was my initial 1 liter per RPM engine. I mean, when you think, oh, oh 7 and 7, ah, LS7, because yeah. it has a 7 in the name, and it revs to 7, and it's 7 liters. That makes sense. Exactly. What, did, uh, what was the red line on uh, Blubsky before you yanked that? Uh, 62. 200? All right, so it's definitely more. Yeah, more than yeah, it is much displaced. Okay. Yeah. Um, there might have been, like, earlier crappier ones with bad injection that redlined it. And like, we should also know speed, that there's a lot of, like, muscle car era, like the 305, that you could modify to get Oh, yeah. To it, uh, yes, the, but this is, like, the stock kind of crippled. Yeah. I think... Because we the, have to do that. One of the first engines that was researching that I found that you could modify... Uh, the Hudson Hornet inline six. Okay. That one was a five liter inline six, but it was also a side valve engine. It was really weird. You could modify them to get to 5,000 RPM because their red line was 4,200. Yeah. I assume, like, even a straight six back in the day, as long as it had enough main bearings, those are yeah. inherently pretty balanced. And the, those engines were very, very reliable. I think because they had one main per cylinder. Like, so they actually had sure. like, the correct. It was a seven number. main, not yeah. a three or whatever. Yeah, not, not three or some trash like that. <laughs> like a Jimmy Six. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, it actually had the correct number of mains on it. And so you can actually you can tune those to rev them out. And a lot of NASCAR drivers would 
do that where they would probably just, limited by just crappy heads on those. Yeah, really. I mean that that was it. And then with the, the I mean the head is in the block, so it, it's a valve cover on top of a That's combustion a chamber. Really good way of putting it. Because I mean, well, it's a let's side be valve. honest. There's no head. Basically, talking about a valve cover. <laughs> um, it is really just a valve cover. It is it's the, the, a valve cover that's got some water running through it. Yeah, that's it. It's a water cooled <laughs> valve cover. Um, but you could actually do Audi, those. please don't do that. Yeah. It, it, well, it's one of those where, you know, if you, if you reach out the carburetor so the carburetor can actually make the power at higher RPM, mm-hmm. you get a can that can make the power at the higher RPM. You and really don't. valve springs that can You don't have to that. worry. It, well, that's the thing. Is the valve naturally drops back. So that the well, valve, it helps the valve spring a lot. It does. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're, you're working with gravity. But, I mean, well, that, that, that's, that's a lot of I, valve train mass. I, I think that that might be why that was one of the first engines that you could get some revs out of, like, aftermarket. Mm-hmm. Because of the fact it was an L-head. And, you know, be able to make some shit in your barn. You can probably go a little bit further without having to do custom valve springs. So, I... We should actually at some point do probably more research and, and start with like the what were the the first like tuner engines? Oh, uh, the Ford Model T mm-hmm. engine that had a huge aftermarket. Yeah, you're right actually, and the Ford Flathead. I mean, those yeah. all did. But the the Ford Model T engine, the four cylinder, you would have after when, immediately after it hit market, people were were building aftermarket water pumps because they didn't have a water pump. Oh, oh, that's right. Those were just like yeah. convection or whatever. Yeah, circulation. It, just, it just circulated from convection, but. Um, People were adding a water pump so it would spin off a crank pulley. So <laughs> you just put in a slot. Yeah. Water pump. <laughs> and so you'd get the aftermarket water pump, and then people were. Uh, and so, yeah, like if you actually go out to like the race of gentlemen and stuff, a lot of people are racing Model T's with original engines that are heavily modified with error correct parts. Super duper cool. And I think stuff. like the earlier ones had really garbage bearings, but I think, yeah, if you put a water pump and bearings mm-hmm. in it, like those are actually pretty stout. Yeah, you can make, make decent power on them. They just sound awful oh yeah i mean i think those were also three three main but i mean you're talking the that's same four cylinder though so right like, not a v8 yeah, so it's you... not not that big of a deal so anyway so yeah ls7 building on that there's another one that's technically based off a of chevy small block that i want to cover sounds good do you want to grab two yeah, you want uh actually can i have that kolsch that's on the bottom level right in the front yeah sure thank you um, this is the Mercury Marine SB4. This engine actually came out about five years ago. No, it's fine. Uh, you're going to need the opener in the drawer or on your keys. Uh, this is based off of an LS7 bottom end. It came out just after the LS7. Um, but what this is, regular aluminum block and rotating assembly with some treatment inside of the water jackets to handle salt water a little bit better. Because again, these were Marine engines. Um, but the key to this thing, what makes it really, really interesting, there's actually two things now, even though there used to be only one. Uh, Mercury Marine designed a set of dual overhead cam four valve cylinder heads for this thing. So it's beautiful. I mean, it's a, a That's really a pretty really, engine. Really cool engine. It uses LS accessory drives, so you can still get parts absolutely everywhere, minus the alternator, because the head's and intake are too big, so that had to be relocated. And in, in the timing chain. Well, yes, and the massive timing covers <laughs> with timing belts. Um, oh, those are belts? <laughs> there are belts, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So Where I, do you get the belt from? Um, probably Mercury Dealers. You can go to a boat store. Probably get your belts at a boat store. Boat store. Um, but anyway, these. Initially rev to about seven grand, just like the LS7. The later revisions, I'm not going to count that. Rev to eight grand, okay. um, and these sound fabulous. Mercury, fun fact, has also started selling these as road car crate engines. How so, much, how much do they cost? I, I don't. I did not look into that. Probably a bunch. Let's see if we can find out, huh? 
Mercury SB4 cost. Mm, $29,000. For so, how much horsepower? Uh, 750. That's NA. It's for what not, you're getting. It's not terrible. But you could very easily make that kind of power with a Jegs catalog and an LS7 out of a dumpster vet. Yeah. Pretty for, easily. For way less than that. And it's not going to rev quite as high. They use that engine in the Ultimate GTR now, which is kind of cool. Um, so that's number three for me. Number four is the Mercedes M156. Do you know what that is? Uh, V8? Yep. So that yeah. is the 6.3. I, again, okay. use air quotes because it's a 6.2. 6,208 <laughs> Cubic oh, that, centimeters. That, that, is, that is actually a six point three. It it is a six two. Yeah, but the thing is, one cubic centimeter per cylinder over six point two. You can't but, round up like that. No, for motorsport you actually have to. Whatever. Because they actually. Uh, You're motor, right. Because yeah, yeah, all those it, are one thousand nine hundred ninety-eight or ninety-nine. Yeah. So if you go over, it's then that's why uh, Saturn's had a one point nine. I'm just going to quote Richard Hammond in the 2008 episode of Top Gear UK, where they did RS4, C63, and E92 M3. It's six. No one saw this 6.2 liter V8. It was 6.3 written on the side. It's heritage. It's a random number. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this engine is 6.2 liters, and it revs to 6,250 RPM. That's actually pretty cool. And it sounds raucous. Avoid the 08 and early 09 engines because they potentially could have head bolt problems, but these things are magnificent. Sans the ones with North Star V8 problems. Yeah, just, just go a little bit ahead. It'll be fine. The head bolts snap off of those. It's not like a, a block problem, but yeah. you don't really realize it's happening. Until it happens. And then all of your oil is suddenly full of coolant, and then there are no more bearings, and then your engine is kaputski. Uh, next one, ski, very it's all, it's similar. Russian people that have those engines. You're gonna know this one, Mercedes M120. Yeah, yeah, I know the M120. Yeah. That's a great engine. We have one downstairs. Yes, we do. So six liters, forty-eight valves, twelve speed holes. Very and cool. Five hundred like cubic centimeters speed per speed hole. Uh, this was famously six liters and rev to six thousand RPM in 1993. Uh, the M120 is a fabulous V12 engine. You do not want to ever, ever work on one, but they are—they make just great noises. <laughs> have, the, have, it go, have it go anywhere else. Well, the good news is it's a reliable engine, so you it won't is. have to all that much. Correct. Um, I'm just wondering, I wonder what Duesenberg's revved up to. Copy link location. Oh, no, photo location. I want to show the chat a little bit bigger version of the M120 because it's just beautiful it's so pretty i couldn't let our sl die after my dad crashed it two years ago so there it is that's actually that's a really good engine i think that's a later one these are the later maths i think but anyway yeah uh oil changing on these sucks because the oil filter housing is right here on the sides so you have to pull an air box um but yeah other than the fact that really there's no manual transmission option these are these are great they're alloy block alloy heads so they're pretty lightweight as far as v12s are concerned they're 389 horsepower right from the get-go just sweet as a nut anyway that is that is my last choice Ooh. what Ooh. what wait a minute okay i'm fine with waiting a minute i found it i speak the duesenberg I speak uh in line eight single red cam engine was um, one RPM per cc. It was a 4,200 cc displacement 
with a 4250 horsepower or 4250 RPM. That's the dual red cam, but it looks way cooler than the twin than the single. So uh, yeah, the twin cam the single. Type that, in Duesenberg rare. model A engine. Uh, Duesenberg model A engine. There we go. I gotta get a better keyboard someday. This thing's crap. Yeah, right there, right there, right there. Ah, I already clicked. Um, shoot, right there. Oh wow, that thing's all crumbed out. Let uh, me that, get the that, big that's one. factory. Whatever. That's a dual over cam. Nobody cares. It's, it's a Duesenberg Just imagine engine. one of these with a less pretty valve cover on it. But uh, oh, also by the way, that's how they left the factory. Green with chrome? Yes. That's pretty cool. Very cool. Um, but yeah, oh, th right there. That was one of the first engines to do uh, one RPM per so CC. You, you already mentioned it, but I wasn't paying attention. Liters? Uh, it, that is a... One second here. Um, Four point something? 4256cc okay. displacement for the single cam. Oh. Um, and the single mm. cam had... 265 horsepower, 4250 RPM. I like that. Uh, for the supercharged one, they made 320 horsepower. Same red line? Uh, uh, 50 RPM. Oh, less. That. But that's quite good. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I don't. You I also mean, have to understand it's got a <laughs> 1 to 2 bore stroke ratio. So it's 2.8. Very undersquare, in other words. Extremely undersquare, and it was able to do that. So, uh, yeah, their torque is just unbelievable. Um, but that's pretty cool that they were able to make that kind of horsepower. Um, if you're wondering how much torque, they don't state how much torque they made. However, the zero to sixty time does in, it just say sufficient? The zero to sixty time in first gear and the zero to sixty time in third gear is different by one point two seconds. Wait, wait, zero to sixty time in leaving from first gear and leaving from third gear, top top gear, which you can do from a stop, was a one point two second different zero to sixty time. That's how much torque they had. So you can hit 60 in first? Well, yeah. Oh, okay. But, you, no, I mean, not first, but I mean, like, leaving from first. So at zero, you normally, when you're doing a 0-60 yeah. test, you go from the lowest gear. Right. Yeah. So if you do that, a normal 0-60, one, two, three, yep. it will hit its top speed in, like, whatever The most quickly or Yeah, what, the most to. quickliest. If you do it from third gear, just st dead stop, and you put it in third, <clears> and you let off the clutch and go... It's like less than a second. So what and you're a saying half is this thing is all low end torque, no top end horsepower. Tons of okay. low end torque. So <laughs> it makes that kind of power, which is pretty cool. But then Excuse it will me, also actually light up the tires in first. And you're like pedestrian crushing great Gatsby wheel. <laughs> Spoiler. Had to bring that out. Yeah, just completely random. Oh shit! Yeah, I did just spoil. Don't you spoiled a book from the 1920s. It's their just, fault if they haven't read it yet. That's a good point. I just spoiled. Yeah, that was required it. reading in a lot of like schools. <laughs> so if you haven't done that, even I have been required to read that book. I didn't. I bought the old 80s movie and watched that instead, and did my book report on the movie. But did you know the 80s Great Gatsby had a real Duesenberg, and the new one does not? Wow, they're slipping. They are slipping. I did not but know that. It was a terrible movie. Yeah. It, well, it's got Leonardo DiCaprio and a fake Duesenberg, so it can't be that great. Anyway. It was great. Was that all Soundtrack of your engines? Not. That was all of my engines. It's actually a pretty tough thing to... If you know of an engine that makes one cc, or one, hor or one RPM per cc... Yep. Please let us know. Yeah, put it on our, our Facebook page. This is from a pretty reasonable amount of... Had doing research trying to figure this out. Uh, it's I was, a tough one. I was I mean, looking throughout the week trying to see what I could find because I was just curious. I mean, there's a lot of like small block Chevys that we can put in here, but that's boring. Yeah, this well, would be like a Vizio racer video. 
Yeah, th- we really have to contact Vizio Racer and ask him to do that. <laughs> Today we're going to be covering. <laughs> no, that was too much. Uh, been... uh, that was BC. Yeah, BC. it was. We, we. I need to watch some more Vizio Racer. I haven't seen him in a minute. That's pretty good. Yeah, he's pretty great. Or even if you're listening on Twitch, if you have any other engines that are one cc per maximum engine RPM. Yeah. Even if it's close, we're curious. Yeah, so. like that, that's it's a really good question because it's either really, really bad four cylinders or really, really great like yeah. large displacement engines. Pretty much. I'm like, <laughs> once you get to 4,000 RPM, you're leaving the really under-square four cylinders from the turn of the century. And then you're, and you're getting cool. into modern emissions engines. <laughs> yeah. And then when you cross six grand, it's just modern stuff. It's just cool <laughs> stuff. Like, it's just really, really cool things. It's a, it's a weird question. So um, I actually had... Unfortunately, since I started this topic, I had another one. So I put yes. uh, Jana's. Yeah, well, let's topic. move Jana's. You got to tell us about this thing that you oh. saw yesterday because I saw it too, and oh it was. Oh my uh, goodness! So it was a gong show. I like for local listeners or viewers. I live off of Highway 100 and Old Shakopee in uh, Bloomington, so um, I live off of Normandale, which is just an extension of 100, and so. You know, I just have a straight ride home from Here, Micro Center. Well, one mm-hmm. second, sweetie. So if you're not from Minnesota, this is... Well, you should be. Yeah, it, this is on the west side of the of Minneapolis, Highway 100. It goes north-south from, like, one end of the county yep. to the other. We have a, a ring road down. around the Twin Cities. Highway 100 is, like, a one-third bisector on the left side. Yeah. Yes, that. It's, it's really nice. It makes everything easy because I literally just turn onto the highway like i was asking a student to drive me home last night because i was really tired i was like i was like hey (laughs) like because i just like joke around with them i'm like hey you can drive me home right she's like well i don't know where it is and i was like well it's basically just two rights and a left like you're fine you got it It sounds like dr zoidberg's apology dance (laughs) um anywho so i was uh i was driving down normandale which is highway 100 and i get you know, about 30 feet away from the intersection, the last intersection before my, uh, the last main intersection with a stoplight before my house. Sure. And everyone's slamming on their brakes, which is not, even though the light's green, which is not uncommon because it's a hill that gets really icy and everyone likes to get into the turn lane at the last second. And don't forget every Karen in their crossover. Uh, and it, it's right by a grocery store, too, so people are trying to, like, Please tell me it's not a Whole Foods. Store. It's a Lund's. Oh, uh, it's almost it, as bad. No, it, yeah. well, almost as good. It, in, instead of being super foresters that are cutting you off, taking a left from the far right <laughs> lane, it's like a Lincoln Corsair. Yeah, but there's no <laughs> <laughs> there's no stoplight where the grocery store is, so it's it's a cluster. And so, I, I, so I'm used to people randomly stopping, and I was like... Like, I had to stay in the left lane because I got to make a left turn. So I'm just like, why? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to cut over and then cut people off? Like, they hate when I break in the left lane to to make my turn. Well, yeah, but it's because you're, you're, avo- you're doing the, oh, excuse me, sorry, yeah. with a car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, oh, man. Like, I had none of this. Like, there's not enough traffic because I was leaving uh, work late. So I was like, this traffic pattern doesn't happen what's going on mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden i see a black car with its brake lights on and i'm like <laughs> what is going on and so like i stop and sure. everybody's like had gotten into the right lane anyway i and i was just like oh my gosh this is why everyone's doing that but i looked pla- past this car with the brake lights on and there's 
three cars in front of this black car with their hazards on. Uh-oh. And I was like, what is going on? And there was a silver car perpendicular to another car. With one of the hazards on? I'm, I'm yes, trying to place. hazards okay. on. Making a T-shape from the turn lane into the left lane. Okay. But hadn't gone over the barrier. Okay. And then another car stopped in front of them for God knows what reason. So there's four cars. It looked like a Tetris game being played with cars. (laughs) That's not a good thing to see when you need to get somewhere. And I was just looking at it and I was like, what? How did this car all of a sudden end up sideways in the middle of the street from the turn lane into the left lane? Mm -hmm. Like, why is it at this angle? Why is it like... I it made no sense whatsoever. And so I call Ryan immediately being like, "Hey, mm-hmm. ignore this intersection. <laughs> Avoid it. Just do the yeah, I was do like, a loop. Ignore it." And then I explained it to him and he was like, "Wait, what?" And so because he heard my description, he's like, "No, I got to drive past it." Oh yeah. That's it's a, te- a normal human tendency. He drove past it and I get to the car and he said he's like what was that? And I'm like, we got to go past it again. And we were like driving past it. We're not part it. of the problem. We're part of the solution. Yeah. Well, my, my, my thought was that, okay, it obviously this car that is now turned around and underneath this Toyota Highlander uh, obviously must have just like understeered while taking a right to go northbound and just went over the median, right? Sure. Yeah. There weren't any tire marks. Over the median? Oh, No. And the the car the trajectory of the car there's no way this car could have gone through the the first turn lane and like gone on the incoming traffic so somehow this car managed to turn itself around it was bone dry the, on yeah. that section of road like there's no ice so it's not it's not like they, no all the all oh. the ice melted yesterday but this car had been turned around mm. so the car had been turned around to be facing five degrees so behind it and then a little bit to the left. And then there's a four or a, a Toyota uh, Highlander that had crashed into it and was like up and like on top of it. Oh, so the Highlander did it. The Highlander hit the white the white Corolla that that spun perpendicular. around. That yeah, spun around. See, I didn't know what vehicles there were because yeah. I was not wearing my glasses. And there was a very confusing at the BMW <laughs> that apparently was somehow involved. But I didn't see his car with any yeah. damage. Um, and didn't want to be left out. Yeah, yeah, apparently. I couldn't tell if they were stopping to help, which Maybe they in witnessed case, it. like, the, you shouldn't do that because it's dark there, like, and there's a parking lot close by. I bet their timing chains are rattling and they're trying to get out of their car, so they oh, stopped yeah. hoping to be rear-ended. Oh, yeah, yeah, probably. Well, this is the thing. There's no damage to anywhere on the car except for the front. And like, maybe so, inside the engine. Yeah, but I was very confused. Apparently, I wasn't the only one that was confused because I drove by the cop ha- was scratching his head. Yeah. I think he might have just happened to have been doing that. But <laughs> For the sake of this story, he, he was, was, what the that. hell? How yeah. did this happen? Yeah, no, and we, we did, like, because I called him when he was, like, 15 minutes out, and the cops just arrived when he made it there. Okay. And so when we circled back to go to his house you know and we drove past them again the cops were still there no tow trucks to be seen because nobody knew (laughs) 
what the heck happened? My 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 favorite part is everyone like, had just completely different stories. Well, well, it, well Phantom of Reindeer jumped out into the road, and then I got hit by this Highlander. Yeah. And the Highlander is like this dude in the Corolla just like parked diagonally, yeah. suddenly, and I found myself on top of them. Yeah. So my, it's just, uh, I'm, I'm just sitting here going like, obviously this is what happened. Like in my head is like. They're all telling the police officer their stories, and they're all like, the guy at the curl's like, this man the cr- with the Highlander crashed into me. The maniac. And then the, the Highlander's like, this person stopped and suddenly in the middle of the road. And the police officer's like, why is your car facing the wrong direction? And the person at the curl's probably like, that's not my problem. The problem Look, is that I got crashed into. You got, I got hit, all right? <laughs> like, are you going to do something Are we going to fix this? my car getting hit? Or like, well, why was the car away? My car got hit, sir. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like and and it's knee not, high white tube socks <laughs> and a very angry. short haircut <clears throat> and like the unusual thing was not a car accident happening in this spot because it's like r- the the intersection with Normandale is the street the high school is I on. definitely understand just wanting to understand how it happened yeah, yeah. that's that's so that's like, our whole thing I see thing. car accidents at that intersection all the time and none of them had ended in a, like a Tetris board like, and so this is the thing is. Like, my original thought was obviously somebody turned going into oncoming traffic. Yeah. Right. There's no way that they could have done that. Well, especially because like it's we have snow here right now, yeah. so you can see evidence of where things came from. And there's yes. a median. In <laughs> and there's a median. There's nothing went over the median. This is so far back, like from the intersection. There's no way this person just like turn like turns yeah. too soon to come to oncoming traffic because right. there was three cars that were in front of them that stopped to like figure out what was going yeah. on. Yeah, and like like it was just as one car got hit. They're all. Like, this car just, like, yeah. spawned out of nowhere. Like, have you ever been playing, like, Grand Theft Auto, and that car just, like, spawns in the middle of the intersection? Well, even, like, Rally Sport Challenge, like, you fly off the cliff, you just hit the white button on the controller, and it respawns you yeah. on the road. Yeah. And it immediately lets you get hit by somebody. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what happened. He just respawned in front of me. Exactly. Uh, it's probably, literally, yeah. That's the answer that the Highlander guy gave. Like, this yeah. car spawned in front of my car, yeah. okay? And there's, like, no glass where, like... Anything like you could see body damage, but there wasn't any glass. There, no headlights were no broken. Airbags. No airbags. Yeah, the headlights are fine. This has been, according to Scott, this was the week of the airbag deployment in Minnesota. Oh, really? Because yeah, he's like the last Saturday when we had that ice storm. Yeah. Apparently, they he they had to drive from their house to the airport. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they're like every <laughs> single vehicle that we saw crashed, and there were a bunch had deployed airbags. That's hilarious. Yeah, there's no airbags. That's... Oh, and I get it because like it was terrifying driving a car with good brand new oh, snow yeah. tires that day. Well, I'm to like, be okay. to be fair, um, as far as airbags go, they go off once the bumper gets moved right this yeah. completely missed the bumper it's like that subaru mm-hmm. had the fire hydrant yeah. stuck inside of it <laughs> the airbags didn't deploy because it never hit the airbag right. crash sensors are sensor. usually like on midway between yeah. the center point and the outside of the car yeah. in two spots but yeah it's, i was just very confused and like thrown off and they saw me like shake my hands because I, <laughs> I was like, I was like, what are you doing? Like, cause like, you know, they're, they're in my lane. They're in the turn lane. Like people have, I thought it was a stalled car. And then all of a sudden, no, it wasn't stalled. It was well, it was currently stalled. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah it wasn't, it was like an operational issue. stall. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we'll check on chat here. Right, we have, Scott said he was having chat issues earlier. I just want to make sure that we're okay. Um, but yeah, feel free to go on to... Here, I'll go, I'll go on to mine, so, and then we'll do yours yeah, after mine. mine after that. So <laughs> mine is... I, all right, so I have to preface this. When it was super cold outside, I had a chunk of ice, 
that was caught underneath my car in such a way that when I would accelerate, the wind would catch it. It would flap back and forth, and I was afraid that my timing chain was making noise. Okay. Okay. I, I, I'm these... that's, that's totally understandable. I've been yeah. there before. I'm like, oh, no. I have to replace my X, Y, or Z. And yeah. then you get out, and you're like, oh. Yeah, it's just no, that. I'm good. <laughs> it was a nightmare. It was like, I was a little low on oil, so it was like the engine's a little bit noisier. Just, but, I assume those have hydraulic lifters. Yeah. So the lifter, it's just a little bit of lifter noise. I, I put in like a half a quart, and I'll calm down. Um, and then I noticed that, yeah, there's a big chunk of ice underneath the car. I'm sitting there, I'm like, ah, shit, I have to do an engine swap. And luckily, owning a Mazda, well, not luckily. Is this when you texted me, the CX-7 thing? Yes. Okay. Well, no, that was because we had a CX-7 that, at the oh, same okay. time. I gotcha. Uh, had come into our shop, and we opened up the hood, and there's an intercooler with, like, no ventilation. It is, yeah, a teeny intercooler with no ducting. It's a top mount. Yeah. It's like totally just an engine. And it's out not of a Subaru. Yeah, it's a totally an engine out of Speed Three with like no ducting to the inner core. It's really weird. Anyway, um, so on Mazdas with their timing Probably chains, it's Speed Six on that because it's all-wheel drive. Speed, it's the same engine. It's the two or three turbo. It's Speed Three. Right, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway, uh, so the on, on Mazda four cylinders. You have a really high failure rate of actually successfully doing timing chain jobs. Right, because it's a pressure fit cam gear on the bottom. Yeah, so you're you're almost always guaranteed to break it. Yeah. Um, so I was doing some research on what the best engine swap would be. Um, I kind of knew that the Ford Fusion 2.5 liters bolted in. I also knew that EcoBoost bolt in mm-hmm. as well. I did not know how easily they do EcoBoost. You literally have to put on the Mazda accessories onto the long block and it works. It's those, pretty cool. Aren't those direct injection? Yes. But they also have port injection. They, they're direct injection, <clears> but <throat> they have a mechanical fuel pump on the block that just pro, like pressures, it, you know, raises the fuel pressure. And how, what do you do for ECU in that case? That's the thing. Is that like AM Infinity? It's like super expensive. Oh, no. Ford Performance sells the uh, four cylinder EcoBoost as crate engines. I assume you could buy but an engine. But those are like seven grand. No way. Yes, With an engine, yes. But like I'm oh, saying, oh, yeah, I think oh, you can oh, buy just the, ECU. I think you yeah. can buy the management. And that might, yeah, you might, you might be able to do that. Yeah. So, but you know, either way, that's like an expensive, like four grand right. proposi- it proposition. Is, yeah. You know, for for three hundred bucks, that's a or three hundred horsepower. That's like a lot of money you'd be spending. Uh, when I could just spend three hundred dollars and get myself a Ford Fusion two point five liter engine, sure. which is also direct injection, but whatever. Um, yeah, but that is close enough a displacement where you just throw a port injected manifold on it. Plug actually, the, direct the, the injectors, uh, the my van's ECU will power those injectors and everything and it just works out without a problem because <laughs> it's such a, a weird design but yeah it, it will just bolt right on um but anyway so i was looking into this so that the ford fusion 2.5 liter engine that will raise me from having 150 horsepower in my van to having 175 and if i do like uh if i do an exhaust i do an intake i can get in like a tune you can get over 200 horsepower with those without a problem. Well, that's a lot of displacement for a four-cylinder. Yeah, and uh, yeah, 200 horsepower for my van, like for what is effectively less than a thousand dollars to do all that, like mm-hmm. that's not bad. But I don't think your two-three is especially unhealthy. No, but assuming that I was having timing right. chain right. problems, right? I understand that. That's why I did yeah. all all this here. I'm like, wow, that's really good value for money. I had my gears, started spinning my gears. I'm like, what is the best bang for the buck engine swap outside of an LS? Because Frankly, LS is only they work in longitudinal longitudinal cars. Right. I mean, we we they kind of do now because you can yeah. get the GT40 transaxle, but that's that's beside the point. So, I have an answer for this too. 
you want me to go first, or do you, you want to go first? I, I just did mine, I guess, so my okay. first one, because I, I have a second one. What is your first one? I'm just going to say Honda K-Series, and that's... That's a really good one, because... It's better power potential, especially per liter, than an LS. Mm-hmm. They're really light. They're yes. really cheap. They're very cheap. The the really good ones, like the Type R stuff, mm-hmm. those are not cheap They're at not all, cheap. But in a Cord K-Series, that you can then put a... Um, well, even a R- TSX one. What the A2 head, which is 200 horse yeah. right out of the box. Yeah, well, you, you can do the TSX head. You can do the Accord engine, and then you put on the, it's the RRG intake, um, which is one of the factory intakes. That's yeah. the one off, uh, that's uh, the Type S. RSX Type S. Yeah, it, well, the intake like model is called a RRG. Oh, okay. Because they actually brand the different, they actually have like a, a, a code for each different intake design. That makes sense, I guess. Yeah, so that intake design I think if you do it like the cams, like a performance cam, then you're good. And then you probably want to do timing chains anyway just to be ahead of the game. So Yeah, I hear people replacing chains on K24s, but I've never Huge, heard of a K-chain yeah. issue. Huge problem. For, really? Yeah, for like Karens. Oh, like, people that don't change their oil? Yeah. Okay. So I mean, Luckily, it's really easy on the K because the K is a lot like the F20, F22 engines yeah. where the, the crank, it's got a woodruff key. Yeah, what a beautiful Wow. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Great idea. Maybe Mazda should look into that. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then that drives via a, t- a tensioner, uh, a single cam gear up top. Mm-hmm. And then that actually uses a helical cut gear, which drives both the cams in reversing rotations. That's actually really cool. It's really cool because it means you don't have to disassemble anything on the head so to just, change the timing a, chain. It's, it's, like a, it's like an LS chain. It's just like a straight chain. Pretty much. That's pretty easy. It's one gear in the middle, um, and once you lock it at TDC, it doesn't move. You can also get aluminum chain guides. Oh, the factory ones plastic? Yes. Okay. So they'll outlive the factory ones who won't have to. It basically, it's a permanent fix. It's a soft metal that will last, well, you know, until, unless you're doing something really dumb shit, like... Like running 5W20 at 10,000 mile intervals? Yeah. Like that. <laughs> that will that will kill them. <laughs> I can tell you, I'm not opening the 2.4 I've got. I'm just going to run it. Okay. That's fair. But I mean, like, that's, we'll how, that, that's how you can make some, like, big powers by doing, like, cams and stuff like that. But, again... The right, amount of money again, you're spending on that. You can you do know, cams and valve train without touching the timing chain. That's true. And you can, all, I mean, doing that, you know, for for something that you're going to be building on like a $4,000 budget, mm-hmm. like it's not like getting 300 horsepower for $4,000. Right. For $4,000, if you spend your money correctly, the world's your oyster. I mean, you can get, you know, 600, 700 horsepower without a problem. And so. we're we're talking on a displacement of two point four liters yeah. too. Where it's an LS is cylinder. like, no wonder you could make seven hundred horsepower with your six point two liters. Yeah, like I'm not discrediting the LS because it no, is probably the best engine platform or second best, like in the world. It's it's up there. It's one of the best engines ever made. Anyone that hates on an LS just is wrong. But the there, are, LS, there are more interesting options. The LS is a perfectly good engine, mm-hmm. in the same way that. A Pilsner is a perfectly good beer. Yep. There's other more interesting beers that you could be drinking. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Last night, I opened my refrigerator. I noticed I had one Pilsner Urkel left, and I was a little bummed. And I get it. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you, yeah, like, if you have a, a car appeal, with an empty engine bay. There is an appeal to the Pilsner. I get it. <laughs> and and all you have is an LS. Look, it'll be great. Trust me. But it's going to be like, oh, there's... 15 other just just like that all right yeah it's it's like i i could have a pilsner or like you know if i'm looking at my refrigerator and everything i have is like a stout or something i don't really want at this point in time Mm -hmm. i got one pilsner left i'm like oh man i really want this pilsner but like if my option's a pilsner or like a mango kolsch 
I'm going to take the Mango Kolsch. Like, Which that's is the K-Series. That's the K-Series. <laughs> like, that's a way more interesting engine. It's going to be just as good and just as powerful. So I've got two more, really quick. 4G. Which? 4G63. That's a good one. Now, before you do your last one, though. Okay. I want to talk about the one using. Okay. So the 4G63, let's talk about that for a second, because that I'm actually surprised to hear from you, because that's a lot of stuff you don't like. You don't like iron blocks. You don't like timing belts, because I think it's be difficult. Yeah, um, the the reason I picked the 4G, engine management is balls cheap for yes. those. That can take like a zillion PSI if you get a Gen 2 or newer. Mm-hmm. And the engines themselves are pretty cheap. We should also note the, I think it's the Hyundai Kappa, uh, the Hyundai 4G. Mm-hmm. So if you're on like super yeah, on a budget. The old Sonata motor. Yeah, if you're super on a budget and say you get like a single cam you know, 4G equivalent. So if you like a Galant or something with a 2.4, a 4G64, yep. you can use the Hyundai cylinder head, which you can find at every junkyard for free. Um, <laughs> and you can put that on, that actually raises your power a ton. And they, those yeah. respond very well to boost because they flow a lot better than the normal Mitsubishi head. Weirdly yeah, and enough. the 2.4 bottom end, I mean, Matt back in the day was buying those 2.4s by the dozen from oh, yeah. junkyards because oh, yeah. they're, the blocks are really good. It's and a great block, yeah. They still do. Yeah, huh. that doesn't surprise me. So, yeah, that that's actually kind of a top tip. I mean, if, if you want to build a 4G on a budget, yeah, go get a Gallant 2.4, yeah. an older one that it has had some oil changes at some point, maybe. It doesn't have a big piston range. So that's really yeah. all you got to worry about. And then, yeah, get the Kappa the, the Hyundai, Hyundai cylinder. Hyundai head. dual rig cam 90s, that's early 2000s. First, first gen Tib and the Sonata. Are yeah, the, the, the Kia most. Optima and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Before it, they went to the 2.7. Uh, it was actually, they used that engine all the way until they went to, with direct injection. Oh, so anything pre-2OT? Yep. Or in the 2.4. Yeah, but. everything everything poor, pre-TGI. That's, that's, yeah, GDI. GDI, that's what it was. That's 20, probably 2010 and prior yeah. then. Okay. So that's, 2010 that gives prior, you, yeah. That's, really? Yeah, that's a so lot of So like the four-cylinder 08 Sonata has yep. got one of those. Yep. You, oh, yeah, you will be able to find one of those heads at a junkyard for free. Yeah, yeah. They, like I said, they are free. <laughs> And they bolt directly on. Uh, that's a super good engine. Um, I want to talk about the One UZ FE. Okay. This is an engine. That's the Lexus four liter yes. V eight. If you get a pre ninety four. Yep. Uh, that's got pre VVTI. Yeah, pre VVTI. Well, no, pre ninety four. Yeah. Not because they had uh, ninety five through ninety seven, which also was a One UZ, but had significantly thinner connecting rods. So if you get, hmm. you can actually find uh, uh, One UZ connecting rod charts. Just like type in. One UZ connecting rod comparison. And then go to images. Let me turn on the cap here. Right there. Damn. Look that is that. a lot of different con rods. Look at the 89 Copy. to 94 One UZ connecting rod. That's a beefcake of a rod. That looks like the BMW M50 rods. Yeah. So <clears throat> 89 to 94 One UZs, mm-hmm. um, stock power. They can hold well over 600 horsepower. Sure. Um, without having to open them up. And then the LE Extreme, of course, they make some ridiculous one, the H-Beam one. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that that's the kind of rod you UZs. see in a 2,000 horsepower engine right there. Yeah, but I mean, like, still, a 1UZ factory one, it, mm-hmm. 1UZs can make just as much power as an LS. But a lot of people, what they do is they'll buy, like, a 3UZ or, like, a 1UZ VVTi where they got these little baby bitch rods. Honestly, like, this rod in the middle, the 98 to 2000 VVTi and the 01 to 06 3UZ rod, these look really strong, too, because they're light, but they have a lot of meat down near the big end and the little end of the rod. But, yeah, 98 to 2000, 
Yeah. I don't know. That one, well, I guess it's better than the 90. 95 97 is terrible. Yeah. 98 to 06, eh. Yeah, yeah. The, 89 to 04. A lot of mass, but that looks very hefty. And, well, that's the thing is they, they don't rev, you know, like the other ones do, but you don't care about revs of the V8. It's a V8. Like, I mean, the 4.3, <laughs> the 2U. It's, it's a cross-plane V8. Like, this is, a, this is a grunty, hairy engine. I know, but, like, if you really wind out one of the 4.3s, it sounds a lot like the Maserati V8. It, yeah, but it's still, it's not, if it was a flat plane, I'd be more, I'd be more akin to going with the 3UZ rod. Because, like, then, like, yeah, they, what matters is getting it to, like, 15,000 RPM. The 2UZ is a 4.3, and the 3UZ is a 4.7, right? Yeah, I think so. But the uh, 1UZ, the 89-94 to 94 connecting rod, mm-hmm. that makes that engine 500 bucks all day long for, like, a really good one. For you can like, buy an entire car with that engine in it for that oh, yeah. easily. You can, I, you can go on carpart.com and find any number of them. Mm-hmm. Like with well over, we talked about this almost a year ago. Yes, we you, did. before you buy a car, go to Carpart and, and see how much, how much an engine is. costs. That yes. will tell you how reliable it is. And yeah, one uses are free. Yeah, because they made a ton of them and they never break. So you can get them for you know three to five hundred bucks all day long at junk and probably junk complete. Yeah, yeah, complete. <clears throat> you can turbocharge that on E eighty five with you know some whatever you want to do for engine management. Uh, and, and these are alloy blocks. So they're a yeah, lot lighter than the J engines. It's true. And they're, uh, in, they'll last forever. You can get them with 200,000 miles and still make it on power. Oh, you'll have to plug Ferris car. Yeah. You'll have to, you'll have to plug like no shortage of oil leaks, but I mean, yeah, like, watch out for oil leaks and water pump leaks for alternator reasons. Yes. That's a really big problem on the one UZ. Yeah. So, but that, I mean, that's a very, very good engine to get for cheap and you can, you know, that's the thing is if you're getting one out of a junkyard, it doesn't matter what the alternator is like. So you want to replace that anyway while it's out. Yeah, I mean, if it works, keep it as a spare, because yeah. you will go through alternators on that engine. And you'll buy. And if you're replacing a bunch of oil, if you're doing a bunch of oil leaks, so you got to pull the intake manifold off. Just throw in a new starter while you're at it. You'll think you'll thank yourself later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is that. He speaks the truth. There yeah. are there are a couple things on the one UZ that are we learned many decades after the fact. Yeah, and that is starters and alternators. <laughs> starters suck. And secondary, the, the water pump as well. Um. So anyway, what was your last <clears throat> engine that you the one J? The 1JZ? Not the 2JZ, but the 1JZ. Yes, because the 1JZ is a hell of a lot cheaper. 1JZ is a hell of a lot cheaper. Well, yeah. Even whatever. No, the 1JZ GTE is a lot cheaper because the 2JZ GE you can get for not a lot. Fine. But But they they also made non turbo 1JZ? I don't think so. Not in this country. Okay. Because I think they they did the uh, 1G. Or they they did a 2.5. Well, the GZ is the V12. Not the GZ, but just the 1G. Oh, okay. I mean, anyway, they had a different, smaller displacement. In one JZ GTE, preferably even the VVTI one because it's a little bit cheaper. Um, but those, you see those engines in the weirdest places. You don't see those in Toyota drag cars. Well, it's because they're you in see them Russia. in Volvos. You yeah. see them in Nissans. You see them in all this other weird shit. So, I was actually talking to a Russian guy. Um, Yikes! That came here. Hopefully, you're okay. Yeah, I'm fine. But uh, do you remember that that Lexus I sent you? You sent me many the, Lexus. The green one that's for sale in up and yeah. uh, up or yes. in, uh, yeah, northeast by anchor. He, he ended up buying that car. Okay, um, and he's a big Lexus fan, a Toyota sure. fan. He before he came to America, he had a Toyota Cresta with a one JZ. And sure. He's talking about how yeah, I told him I'm like yeah, these one UZs are great engines. He goes, that's kind of a grandpa engine. I'm like yeah, you can make a lot of power on them though. Like, this one was the wrong year, so I, that's why I backed off of it. But if it was, like, a 94, I would have been all over it. And I was, like, explaining to him. He's like, oh, yeah, in Russia, we, we never mess with the 1J, with the one UZ because, 
like the one Yuzi is in literally everything. So you go to Junkyard and there's like a dozen of them. Mm-hmm. So we just throw them into whatever we want. Yeah. So that's what you're talking about. It's just like you find them in the weirdest stuff. Because, yeah, some guy in Russia has a lot of the engine has popped. Well, and a lot of those, they're, they're pre-immobilizers. So, like, you can run factory Toyota ECUs with yeah. no problem. Yeah, you just throw it in. And, and that e- engine management is a really big thing that people overlook when they're doing weird swaps. Mm-hmm. If you yes. can't make an engine run with four wires, yeah, you're you significantly cut who you're going to market that engine to. That's very true. And that's why I didn't go with the one with the 1GZ, with a V12 for mm-hmm. the Cressida. Because I'd have to get... I'd have to completely rewire the car and run two different ECUs and then somehow figure out how to make the Fun. ignition work on that, do, do, which would be do, do, just do. awful. Nah, I just have to get a mega jolt, which is super easy to work. Yeah, I know. Or I'd have to – I've looked for a V12 aftermarket ECU. So Mega Squirt 3 Pro, no, uh, Haltech 3000, and the Cyvex. Cyvex, yep. Yeah. And I think the AEM Infinity can do V12s, too. No, it can only do 8. No, it can go up to 10, actually. Sorry. I think you can, can do, do 12 with Wasted Spark. Maybe. If you did it to 6 and you did... And you'd... But yeah, you have to run Batch Fire Injection and Wasted Spark. Yeah, that'd be really dumb. Um, It'd be fine. But with... Mega Square 3 Pro X can do it, though. Yeah. So it, it was... Regardless, <clears throat> to get something that work really well and like have like variable valve timing work and everything, it'd be like a $10,000 ECU. Yeah. For... Uh, Three thousand dollar engine. Maybe a thirteen thousand dollar. Three thousand, including a trans with shipping. Yeah, yeah. Like on my door. Yep. And then I'd have to spend all the money in the world. Yep. To make it work. That's why we don't see one GZ swaps yet. Yes. That's why there's like I've seen two of them in my life, and both. Of and them you are know what? Gen four small blocks. You can run them on a three hundred and thirty dollar standalone. Yeah. So that's why the LS works. And also, that. you can just pirate a copy of whatever the EFI Live is, and just flash your stock Chevy DME. From like 1989 to 2007, because they're all the same thing in every one of their cars, and no. there's no encryption on it. None. And so this is why the the LS is like engine management. Honestly, yeah, engine management is the reason why. Like engine management, it's so huge and so nerdy and so dumb and so not exciting. Like, even with the K swap, I'm finding that that is like the worst part of the K swap. Yeah, because use a K-Pro. if yeah. you use. Anything other than the A2, doesn't matter if it's K20 or K24, mm-hmm. you have to use a K-Pro, and yeah. that's a brand new product. Like, it yes. is it is in its infancy, whereas if you have an A2, you can run K-Tuner, and it's just easy. Yeah. It's so very frustrating. So, Honda is obviously the, the big daddy for, for Honda tuning and immobilizer management, but you can't run A2 hardware on an A3 or A4 because the heads are different yeah. enough where you can't run the hard points. So I have an A4 engine, which means I have to run an accorder and element harness, which I already have, but I have to run K-Pro. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. It's is, pricey. But, yeah, that, that's the thing is with these engine management things, that's what I'm thinking. For me, my overall winner for best bang for your buck engine, Ford Fusion 2.5. It uses factory ECM. It gives me 200 for horsepower. For your application, I agree. I think for a front-wheel drive vehicle. and <laughs> If I, you have a Mazda 3 or a Mazda 5... Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I think that, and I think if you don't have a Mazda, then you go with the... K-Series. I'd say a 4G. The, or, yeah, 4G. I would say the 4G. Like, that'd be worth it. Like, but the K... Oh, you really have to decide what your budget is. If you can afford engine management for your K, or you have a cheap well, A2, Best thing do for that. Your yeah, yeah, 4G. 4G, 4G and that's... It's a little heavier, but who cares? Yeah, uh, 4G or, oh, or a 1 should specify, say. the 4G that's made from the Hyundai cylinder yeah. head and Gallant <laughs> the, bottom end. The, uh, okay, Frankenstein 4G for front-wheel drive, and if it's rear-wheel drive, uh, 1UZ. Franken motors are great. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the 1UZ. There, there's that. I mean, there, there are... In, 
almost every popular platform, there are good Franken motor combinations. Jan, do you know any weirdo engines that we missed? No. Okay, there we go. Oh! H series. Honda H series. Okay. Because I just, I just forgot. You can, at $3,000, you can buy yourself a ES Civic chassis. Okay. That is of questionable quality. You can get yourself an H series engine and transmission. And then you can put that together with the right combination of parts. You can run an 11 second quarter mile on three grand. All That's in, pretty on good. On car. So, H series. I mean, I guess if we're mentioning the H, we should mention the B, but that's too expensive now because no. people bought them no. dry. No, the thing is, you can do so much. It's so much more expensive to build a B than it is an H. You know what I kind of want to do? That doesn't make any sense. Hmm. 93 Civic sedan with some modern, really high horsepower NA Honda engine that's cheap. And That'd be just, very cool. Then just use it. That'd be a great car. That'd be a horrible car <laughs> for where you live. Oh, yeah. It would get stolen immediately. Oh, well, yeah. Well, thank goodness he has a garage. <laughs> well, and a backyard. Like an EG, an EG sedan with that K series would be great. It'd I, be great because it looks like you run the 13 inch with the hubcaps, but you be put perfect. make 300. There's a guy. There's a guy in town that's got a uh, EK, a beige EK with AK24 turbo. Oh man! And like he, <laughs> he even put on. Um, he put in, He oh, put on. Like, he's got uh, cheater slicks up front. He's got hubcaps over the steel wheels. Awesome. And the only way you can tell that he's got, like, it, the car's got anything going on with it, he's got extended wheel studs mm. that are sticking out of the hubcaps. Okay. Because he had to, he put on the, because they're like a really deep dish uh, wheel. Sure. So he got extended wheel studs so he could put another hub. Uh, I'm picturing this dude, he's got like welds on the front and he's, he's like bolted the hubcaps to the welds. No, it's like, um, no, he's got uh, like diamond racing steelies. Okay. And then an extended, um, Wheel studs, because on Hondas, the hubcaps are held on by a washer over the wheel bolt, or the, the lug nut. I don't remember that. I'm yeah. sure you're right. Yeah, they are. That's how Honda does their hubcaps. I did brakes on the 93 that we had. That's, why, that's why hubcaps never come off on Hondas, because ah. they're held on by a washer. That's so a much smarter way he of just, doing it. He threw the extra wheel bolt on with, uh, it was just really cool. But yeah, anyway, that, that's, there's somebody that's doing that, and you should really do it too. Well, maybe. I have a lot of other things I want to do first, but I suppose in the interest of things, we should move on. Why don't uh, we, you know what, it's, we're already sitting here at um, an hour and an one minute. Hour. Let's and we're a little low on topics from next week, so there's a lot going on with Gone. And I want to be able to give him his time of his proper time let's, in the sunlight. Let's so use let's, let's that one it. and my topic after that and the topic after that next week. Yeah, but I'm, I'm going to quick. Cover I want to the talk Subaru. this the Subaru things. This is interesting. And before that, here's a gratuitous shot. Very quickly, that is a Bugatti. A beautiful Type 35 inline eight. I'll yes. explain that next week. Um, okay, Subaru. They were <laughs> I'm not making this up <laughs> just because I hate Subarus for the most part. Um, they are recalling 250,000 FA series engines for it's engine, like all of them. engine oil getting where it's not supposed to be. What? what? Is also, that really what it says? Yeah. Yeah. It is literally <laughs> engine oil getting where it's not supposed to be, and this could result... Oh. A faulty part in the engine kill out engine oil to enter places it shouldn't. Yep. That's shocking. Might result in blue smoke out of the tailpipe exhaust, particularly bluish or grayish. Oh. So it sounds like a ringland. <clears throat> it sounds like a pretty significant problem where oil is being burned in the engine. <laughs> also, I don't know what I just did, but I deleted the scene that just had our cameras on it. So I'll have to fix that outside. Oh, That's, no. <laughs> OBS, come on, man. 
How did you do that? So anyway, I you actually have you had a car come in that's so within I had, this. I had an FA that came in, and it came in with a different. It's actually, I think your FB is it's FB twenty five. I see. I don't know. I thought the FB was like the turbo variant, but then no. I realized that there are NA FBs. I'm just like so. Oh, the, okay. the FA, the FA twenty, is only in the BRZ. Because and the FRS and the GT86. Yes. The Toyota that, BRZ GT86 FS. It's got the twin. Uh, direct injection and port injection? The twin injection. These don't have that? No, these are just direct injection. Garbage. I Trash. Know. Trust me, there's a reason I quit selling Subarus. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so this is what I got. I got 2014 Forester here at the 2.5. Okay. Came into work. Um, it was running rough. Well, they were having uh, – they had – an oil leak from their cam actuator. Not surprising that that would cause them huh. to run rough. It's a common failure point on most cars with variable valve timing. Sure. The only one I've ever heard of not having that issue is a Honda. So, um, also, BMW has like never, ever had a VVT failure. Really? That's weird. Yeah. Um, so this car, we did that, still running rough. We go through, look at the spark plugs. Spark plugs are questionable, so we put in new spark plugs. Still, what the hell is going on? So we, got, we bought a new... Uh, like compression tester because Subaru's like they is shitty of engines they are they usually don't like outright quit like this right um she had was 40 psi low on one cylinder with this engine and we That's put pretty a significant steth- when you're dealing with probably 200 psi to start with well, yeah and so you, you put a stethoscope up to it all the cylinders except for cylinder one sound normal cylinder one had a broken valve spring and that How many was miles were on this 140. Uh, that's a, that's so a bit, but that's still totally. You shouldn't break a valve spring. Listen, I got <laughs> I got 350,000 mile FJ or EJs coming through mm. my shop that are fine. They, their head gaskets done at 150, and they have. And like, they'll need them again soon. But no, it's fine. no, because they do it updated. They they use a multi layer steel instead of a compression head gasket, um, which is arguably worse on used engines because they're not flat anymore. It's a, it works. Fine. Anyway, um, other than like a little bit of oil getting past the ring lance, they're fine. They just use like a cord every 10,000 miles. So it's like whatever. Anyway, this car, 140, and it needs complete engine teardown. It is, to remove the cylinder head is 14 hours. Oh, yeah, because the, the timing case chain. on yeah. that engine with the integrated oil pump is ridiculous. I like the FAFB more than I like the EJ engines. But I don't that, think I do anymore. Uh, I still do. This is my reasoning. It has to do one head. To, on, the F, on the FJs, or the, sorry, the EJs, those are that much money to do both head gaskets, and then you're fine. For a totally normal daily driver that you're not taking to the racetrack, you're gonna, for, for Karen, she's going to be fine. Like she'll have like a little bit of weird stuff happening, but the Subaru—that's what you deal with. It's a mix of Subaru, and Subaru. Yeah, it's weird stuff happening. <laughs> um, but yeah, so th- that was really weird, and I know that they've had a recall on this uh, previously because they had the valve spring failure that they recalled, and then the it was dropping valves straight into pistons. Yikes! Yeah, way, way, How way worse. <laughs> in a Subaru, is it even dropping a valve? Because it's like it's all sideways. I know, like it's, it's Subaru, like it's pushing it's, valves, it's throwing a, ro- <laughs> a, a valve. How about that? That's better. I like that. So yeah, this isn't the first major failure that Subaru's had with the new engine, and that's what I'm saying that the EJ engines. I, if, like, if they they're get... equally failure prone, I'm in agreement with you because yes. the belt drive EJ is easier to work on. Yeah, then that's the thing is. You're going to be having to deal with and a And the FAFB trash. timing case is idiotic. 
It's really stupid. It's really dumb. The integrated oil pump, which isn't very reliable. So anyway. So <clears throat> white cars are being recalled, like, specifically. Mainly XV Crosstracks. Can you scroll down to show me what they yeah, are? Yeah, so pretty well, pretty much anything, even the the uh, the turbo, the ascent. So, so I think this might the, all be the two. These fives. are the twi- No, these are all twenties. These are all two. No, ascents are two fives. Ascents are two four twin turbos actually. The At one 20, that Grimsby yeah. bought is a two five single turbo. That was a two four twin. He uses the new STI yeah, motor. Yeah, that was a two four twin. Oh, maybe Randy told me the wrong thing. Randy Stern. Oh, yeah. yeah. I guarantee you he did. Okay, fine. Two four <laughs> two four twin turbo then. So yeah, Ryan tells the people what engines these are. So the, it's the it's the FB twenty. Uh, it looks like the F, the new FB twenty four. I guess it was. It's we'll go called. with twenty four. Yeah. I, I I'm pretty sure it's a two four. Whatever the hell the new STI engine is. Yeah. Um, this is a pretty catastrophic thing. Yeah, because this are, is the same engine that just had the brand the, new. This is the engine. This is the same engine they just had the other recall on. Worth noting, these are all 2017 and up. So that Forester you had is not even in no, this recall. No, this is a completely different thing. So I, I feel notice like how the engine with port and direct injection not on any of these lists. So this is why we're going. We're going to go back to why I prefer the EJ. So. Back then, Subaru was actually willing to like go, we made a shitty product, let me help you. This is Subaru scrambling to do a recall. Mm-hmm. This is not them owning yeah, up. Look how vague this is. Yeah, this like, is really this dumb. This might be an occasional failure of some minor thing that could cause this. But like on the EJs, so they it took him 10 years to figure out that the head gaskets were going out on EJs. Mm-hmm. They updated the part number on all of them. Whenever you got them done... Regardless of miles, he got the new updated part. Sure. And it well, because Subaru it does rolling manufacturing changes, so they yeah. don't keep old parts anymore. No, they don't. They just make it better. Um, Subaru would, you know, they would actually own up to, like, making a mistake, and they'd go out of their way to try and fix it and be proactive. This is Subaru being reactive. This is the same example of Subaru. You, they used to make cool cars. Now they just make money. Mm-hmm. This is Subaru making money. Is them being reactive, waiting till something breaks. Yep. On their new engine, I just like the BRZ. That's the, e, it. the EJ engine took a decade for the this this kind of stuff to start happening. Not yeah. this soon. Not like right off the bat to start breaking. And I'm sure by the end of production on the FAFB, it'll be completely fixed or whatever. But I mean, they they more or less fixed the EJ by the end of that engine too. Well, that's the thing. Is also the EJ. I mean, as long as you as long as you haven't had some sort of bottom end failure, mm-hmm. you know, like really, it's three grand and you have the whole thing fixed. But I mean, you can't deny like the the F series heads are like these are way better. These engines are better engines, but yeah. for like real life actual use, mm-hmm. I, I don't know about that. Yeah, they're not as idiot resistant as the EJs were. And that's the thing. It's like you know the Audi three liter was technically a better engine than the two eight, but the two eight was a better engine than the three liter in the long run, even though neither of them are really great. Yeah, but the two eight five valves okay. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It, like, on paper, the 3-liter was better. Can we not talk about the 3-liter? I'm getting PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's uh, move on to the next episode. Uh, next week, thank you so much for listening. We have a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, we seen... learned nothing this week. Yeah, we'll, we'll learn things next week. Yeah. Yeah, we, yep. it, it was the holidays. We were avoiding <laughs> things. But we so. learned that beer destroys memories. Yeah. Thank you. Ha- happy 2020. <laughs> happy new decade. Thanks for watching, guys. Bye. We will catch Bye. you next week.